This is the Brisbane Football Review with your host, James Coglin. I-, I led with the chin on that one and got what I deserved. Scott Owen. There's a mute button, people, don't worry. And Adam Pace. <laughs> it's good to see that you're listening. Starting now. While all eyes might be on Qatar, there is still plenty of action coming up in the local game here in Australia as another season of A-League Women prepares to kick off. And we're here to preview it all on the Brisbane Football Review. Hello, everyone. It's James Scott and Adam here with you. Only days away from kickoff. And, uh, well, look, there's a certain sense of optimism about the Raw's prospects following the rather successful end to last season, if, even if they did fall short of the finals. Scott... How are you going? I'm good, James. All eyes are on the World Cup and the women's game is at the end of this upcoming Alley Women's season with a home World Cup in Australia and New Zealand. So a great opportunity for some players in the next few months to stake a claim potentially to be part of Tony Gustafson's squad. Yes, and uh, Adam, I can understand that you're already uh, studying the canteen menus at Parc de Paris and AJ Kelly Park where the Raw will be playing their home games this year. Uh, not, not, don't. I already have. <laughs> yes, that that has been your prep for this show, yeah. hasn't it? Yeah, no, but yeah, look, just uh, just on the um, on the Liberty A League women's, uh, yeah, look, it's the the build begins for you know, a historic year, and it starts here with the local game. And as uh, just to echo what Scott said, you know, there's, there's still opportunities uh, for that uh, for you know prospective players that play in the league at the moment to um, to maybe grab you know one of the last spots in Tony Gustafsson's and Matilda's squad for the World Cup. So, like I said, I think it's just good for um, for women's football in general locally that, uh, like I said, the, the competition has been extended out to 20 rounds. Yeah, a whole lot more football coming your way, and it's also all free this year with every game being on 10 play. I might talk about that a little bit later on, but we do have some news items to get to before we delve into our season preview. And first of all, it is very happy news for the Brisbane Raw with the announcement from Jack Hingett today that he and his wife, Simone, have uh, just welcomed in in a new baby. So Billy Hingett, future Raw right back, I'm sure. And um, it sounds like all has gone well. So congratulations to the three of them. And, uh, well, all I can say uh, to Hingett and the family is I really hope they've got a good coffee machine at home. <laughs> I think just judging by the Instagram photo, I know who uh, worked harder, Simi or uh, Jack. So, but uh, Simi always, always the uh, mother in this situation. Absolutely, yeah, be very, very careful with things like that, Adam. It's always yeah always the mother who works the hardest in these situations. But you got any advice, by the way, James? Yeah, you're the one. <laughs> yes, change nappies. It's really not that hard. Oh, we have to. I'll oh, take the word for that. Yeah, and, well, okay, the one thing I will say, like, I'm trying not to go too deep into the personal stuff here, but the one thing I did learn, like, I'm, I'm a five-time uncle, never changed a nappy in my life. Within, I think, about 24 hours of my son being born, already up there changing nappies, and you know what? It's really not as scary as you'd think. You just suck it up and do it. So, and also, again, considering what your partner or the mother of your child has been through, Changing nappies is really not that big of a sacrifice. Again, I'm going to take your word for that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, well, look who I'm talking to. <laughs> but congratulations to Mr. Yep. Singit on the new arrival. Absolutely, yes. congratulations. And yeah, like I said, yeah, future, a future Raw player, future Socceroo, or is that a future Sri Lankan national team player? Mm, so. Actually, that is, one th- that is one thing I've got to say as well. Uh, one thing I am really enjoying from uh, the Raw socials, 
this uh, season so far. Those little like quick hit videos going out to trading as well, and we saw the one this year where um, no, this week where they were giving their World Cup predictions and hing it naturally picked Sri Lanka to win it in four years and I'm sure he'll be <laughs> eyeing off possibly being a uh, part of that Sri Lankan squad in the 427 team tournament that uh, will probably also likely feature uh, participants from Antarctica and Equatorial Guinea and whatnot as FIFA continues to chase those the penguins all- can play mate don't underestimate Antarctica <laughs> hey, Malta for the win all right there we go um so while it was a uh, welcome arrival for uh, the Hingit family. Uh, we also have some news from NPL Land, and it is happy trails to Gold Coast United duo Ellie Fryer and Dee Thompson, the stalwarts of the club, announced their uh, retirement from NPL level football earlier today. And uh, I can safely say, is two of my favourite players to watch and commentate on over the last few years. Uh, I think they'll be enjoying a well earned break and probably watching these games with their feet up for the time being. Yeah, the the heart and soul of um, of Gold Coast United uh, look to two players that you know we always put the top bell, you know end of season you know merit teams all that. Uh, it, it's a, it's a big loss for Gold Coast United, but two players of the highest caliber and look wish them well for whatever they got um, planned for the future. Yeah, two stalwarts of the first decade of the NPL women's competition up here in Queensland, and Dee Thompson, James is the second all-time goal scorer behind one Tegan Riding all-time. So a fantastic career at that level for both Ellie and Dean. We wish them all the best going forward, but whatever is in the future for both of them. Without a doubt. And I will say as well, like Ellie Fry is one of those players that I've long been uh, campaigning for a chance at A-League level, ideally with the Raw, but uh, that opportunity never came about. But the opportunity to play for the Brisbane Roar has come about for a handful of players uh, this coming season. So what do you say we get into it by discussing our, well, our expectations for the Raw squad? Now, last year got off to a pretty rough start. It was a while before the Raw were able to get off the mark. Eventually, they got their win in pretty emphatic fashion down in Melbourne against a victory. And they finished off the season quite strongly in the end, Scott, although they did fall just short of the finals. Yeah, it took till round five to get that first win of the season down there in Melbourne. So it was a slow start, but the two losses early against Perth, they were the two ones that you look back on and think, gee, if they had just gone the other way, maybe the Raw could have squeaked into that top four by the end of the year because their form in the top in the back end of the season was really impressive. They rounded out the season up there at Pine Hills in those back-to-back games to conclude the year. They finished really strongly, but the two games against Perth, which I think Perth might have led for a grand total was somewhere between five and ten minutes in those two games and somehow walked away with six points out of six to start their year. Catapulted them towards the charge where they almost made the top four. If that had gone the other way, maybe the Raw would have got there, but positive building signs throughout the year and some good additions now to hopefully take the Raw to that next level. And that's the one thing that jumped out to me. It was very much a tale of uh, two parts their season where early on they just couldn't seem to close out a game, continually conceding late goals. Uh, I think it was they had two late goals away to Perth uh, to lose 2-1, a late goal to go down 1-0 to Perth, which I think also came from a pretty unfortunate deflection at Perry Park on that Friday night game. Uh, Late goal to Canberra, which I think, yeah, well, Scott just brought that one up just before Christmas, where we all, I'm pretty sure we all said as Canberra was lining up for that final attack, we were like, oh God, not again. But eventually they started to click and started to find their way into the season and the results eventually started to come. 
we don't want to rehash it as well, but it was a horribly disrupted season uh, for the most part where, you know, COVID and border closures played a big role uh, in the unfolding of the season. And it did make life pretty tough. It did. And I said, we took those three game examples there. Uh, that was seven points that uh, they they dropped uh, from, from winning positions or uh, or at least, you know, where they, they were set to at least gain something out of that. They ended up being the margin, you know, to fourth place. So I think the important thing this season is that, you know, get get off to a good start. You know, they've, they've got it, like the, the squad have got to hit the ground running. And uh, like I said, because their their form in the back end see that showed they that they are competitive against you know against any side in this competition. So um, yeah, I think that's the important you know, distinction between last year and this season. They got to get off to a good start. Yeah, and well, look, you, you want them to be good all throughout the season, but like one thing I noticed, like reading the signing announcements as the uh, preseason unfolded, um, and the way the rule were announcing all of that. One thing that was very consistent throughout a lot of them was the way that the players that have come back from the 21-22 season, they all said, you know, they want to build on that strong finish to last year and sort of treat it as a stepping stone for the 2022-23 campaign. And it seems like they're very... I'm not, I don't want to say that they were unfocused at the start of last year, although, let's be honest, with the way everything was going at the time, no one will blame them for being a little bit distracted... But overall, Scott, it does feel like they're really motivated to show that they were more like the team at the end of last season than the one at the beginning of last season. Absolutely. That's been the way for the Brisbane Roar in recent times. When they have missed the finals, they've always wanted to and successfully bounced back. So I definitely think that's a big part of their, the play, these players' motivation. They did prove at the end of the season with going four games unbeaten, three wins and a draw. They can compete in this league, and that was against some pretty good sides at the end of the season. They played Melbourne City in that run Oh, they played one of the one of the teams down in Melbourne. I know that was at the back end. It was City. Picked up. Mm-hmm. It was City. Picked up a win in that game. So that was a really good sign that they can compete with the best teams in this league. And we'll talk about the players they've added in a minute. The experience and quality coupled in with the players they've retained. It does look like this is a really good squad heading in the right direction. And year two under Gareth McPherson, I'm sure he's looking for a, a, a improvement in a few areas. And it looks like in terms of recruitment, he's found it. Yeah, and in the way that like he's built this squad it seems like this is again like a progression year as well last year like i think gareth has a uh, teaching in a background in teaching so it seems like last year there was a lot of you know uh, acquisition and learning this year it's sort of on progression yeah absolutely i think that uh yeah year one for for gareth i think you know was was always going to be it's just going to be a challenge, especially sort of, you know, with a, a side that were predominantly, you know, coming from MPL. Uh, a year under the belt for a lot of these players have, have returned, add a couple of, you know, certain, you know, strong visa players as well. And I think, yeah, year two definitely looks more promising. I think anything less than, um, anything less than sort of, you know, a top five or six finish, I think would be, would be a disappointment. I actually think it would be a bit of a setback. And the fact that we're seeing so many players signed from the NPL Queensland competition and a couple from FQPL as well is probably a testament to the standard and the level of the local league as well in that you get these players that have shown that like, they can compete at this level like the the obvious example and we'll talk about her in a little bit more detail later is Mariel Hecker who like, she, she was a dominant NPL player two years ago when she first signed with the Raw but even then like you're seeing progression in her game 
growth, you know, improvement, which it, again is a testament to, you know, what the, uh, sort of challenges that an A League uh, level competition can bring to her. Absolutely. In the first year, we saw her break into that A League side. By the end of the year, it looked like she was comfortable. Went back to the NPL. Last year, took another step forward once again at this level, and I, I think this is going to be another step in the road progression for Marielle Hecker, where we saw last year she established herself as clearly an A-League women's starting player. This year, I think she's had that step forward to being a difference maker and a real contributor in that front with goals and assists for the Raw, which maybe haven't quite been there consistently in the first two years. I think this year will be a really big breakout year for Marielle, and not the only player in the squad who has that same sort of career trajectory. Yeah, uh, we've got a lot more to talk about, especially with uh, Hecker. But what do you say we go through the squad and just talk about our expectations uh, with each position group? We'll start off with the goalkeepers. Bella Shuttleworth and Mia Bailey are back for another season. Shuttleworth wound up taking over towards the end of last season when uh, Georgina Worth and Mia Bailey both got injured. And I've got to admit, she was pretty impressive. Got a, a clean sheet in that win over Melbourne City. That might have been their first one of the season, perhaps. And a very promising uh, young goalkeeper. But the player that uh, a lot of people should have their eye on at this position is the American import, Hensley Handcuff, who was uh, recruited to the Raw by ex-goalkeeper coach Brody Sams, who is uh, coaching her at Gotham FC in the NWSL, which I did get the name of that competition correct. Um, and she is out here on loan to get some valuable playing time because I don't think she's featured that much over in America, Adam. Yeah, she seems like, she seems like a real prospect. Uh, I don't believe 23 years old. Uh, and, and yeah, like I said, I think she's out here for the experience. I think uh, it'd be a great learning curve for her. And, you know, the, the, uh, the A-League women's is regarded as one of the stronger leagues in the world. You know, still even the, the rise of the, you know, the European leagues. And uh, look, I, I think that you know, if she comes as advertised, I think she's going to have a good season. One thing I do really like about her is that she is a tall keeper as well, which uh, which means obviously that she'd be able to, you know, the, the sort of you know we say the women's game that you know the the lobbing, looping shots that you know go through that she should be able to counteract them compared to some of the smaller keepers in the league. So I think with all that, I think I think she she, she could be you know a revelation here in Australia. Yeah, and the thing is, well, like, just going off what I've seen in uh, images and whatnot, she is very, very tall as well. Absolutely, and the other thing is, James, last year the Raw, you mentioned, cycled through three different goalkeepers throughout the court, so you started with Georgina Worth, then Mia Bailey got an opportunity, and then at the end it was Bella Shuttleworth. This year I think it will pretty much be, it'll be Hensley Handcuff's position to lose. There won't be any goalkeeper by committee as we kind of saw towards the back end of last year where maybe there was, wasn't a clear number one between those three MPL goalkeepers here in Queensland, they were all pretty much similar levels of ability. This year, I think Hensley's going to make that position well and truly her own. And if she can make a couple of big saves in big moments to win the Raw a couple of points, that, we were talking about earlier where those Perth games, James, was only small margins where they conceded goals at the end. Maybe if they've got a regular goalkeeper in Hensley, they might be able to keep those goals out and pick up a couple of extra points. So it's a valuable position, obviously. And I think the Raw have got a very good goalkeeper here that can make that position her own. And also, again, if worst comes to worst and there is an injury or a red card, you've got a couple of backups that you can have plenty of faith in as well. All right, moving on to the defenders. Uh, returning this year, Annie Haffenden, uh, Jamila Rankin, Jesse Rashett, and a fair few... This is probably the position group that's had the biggest uh, overhaul to it. Uh, Holly McQueen is back after missing last season uh, due to an ACL injury. I think she's... Uh, 
very, very hungry to come back. Uh, now, I want to make sure I get this name right, because I'm sure I will get corrected on uh, Saturday at the first home game. Kasha Lind, and uh, also from Kapalabar FC, Talitha Kramer has made the leap after she played for Wellington last year as well, and prior to that, Western Sydney Wanderers. So it's an experienced group. And the lead story for me here is, well, the two lead stories. One, the return of a healthy Holly McQueen. Don't say that five times really quickly because it might confuse you. And also the fact that uh, Jessie Rashid will be back. Uh, but it sounds like she's going to be in a bit more of a mentor role, Scott, rather than leading the line and playing every available minute of every game. Absolutely does seem like she's going to take that mentorship role in terms of as an experienced player. And there's a lot of younger players in that raw backline, James. But I think Kasia Lind as a signing for the right thing, it's going to be absolutely crucial to provide that leadership and experience and quality in the middle of defence. Whether it's partnering Holly McQueen, Annie Haffenden or Jamila Rankin, I have to wait and see exactly what Gareth's thinking in terms of his preferred centre-back pairing. But having that real leader and experienced player at the back, they really didn't really have that last year. It was a bit of a younger centre-back pairing last year for the most part, James. And I think I think that extra bit of quality and experience could really straighten the side up and maybe, again, prevent some of the goals that they conceded towards the back end of games. That game management situation, Kajalind has certainly been there and experienced all of that. So to be, have that experience back there, I think it'll be really interesting. Letha Kramer at right back is going to be really important as well in terms of filling that position, making that position her own, so that the rest of the back line can take care of itself. But they've got some really good options there, James, and I'll be really intrigued to see exactly who it is who partners um, Kasia Lind at the weekend against Newcastle. Well, that's a big thing as well, is it seems like they've got the potential for a stable thing, because I know that was one thing we kept talking about last season as well, where admittedly through enforced changes uh, quite often, but it just wasn't a clear, stable best back four, and it seems like now McPherson has given himself the ability to select a preferred uh, starting back four, and plenty of pretty solid depth behind it as well. Yeah, I think this is a big, big season for Jamila Rankin. I think she she still has got a very, very good chance of you know be, being in the World Cup squad if she signs in in the. Uh, in the A-League women's this season, I think, especially well, we're, we're, as well, where there's a dearth of um, sort of a lack of depth in the defenders' role. I know that uh, obviously at the moment you had uh, the the likes of uh, Charlie Grant and uh, Courtney Nevin playing there with um, with Ellie Carpenter and and Alana Candy missing. But uh, look, I I think you know obviously. It, I think a strong season for her. She has got experience, you know, with the, with the young Matildas as well. So she's probably in in certainly you know within the reckoning. So I think a really solid season, I think for her, you know, would be good. Where where she plays would be interesting because you know either centre back or left back. I, I personally think left back is her preferred position, but she's certainly no slouch at centre back, and I think that versatility might also uh, work well. For her. But yeah, Karsha Lind, I think she's going to be the, the focal point of that defence. And then obviously, you know, Annie Haffenden and Holly McQueen as well, you know, will obviously also play pivotal parts depending on where those players are as well. So I think defensively, they look really solid this season, whereas last season we had a few questions. I think that's, uh, I think that's a big distinction from last season's squad to this season's squad. I'd say it's also a big year for Holly McQueen as well. We know the terrible injury she suffered in the Capital Women's Super Cup final in 2021 and certainly cost her the chance of a debut last year. I think she'll definitely get it this year. And as a player who's been in the future Matildas program 
as well, James. I mean, it could it's unlikely she's going to push herself into a World Cup selection, but she could certainly lay the foundations and the groundwork for an international appearance in the future with a really good year here as well. So it's great to see her back fit and potentially playing it again at the weekend, making her debut. Well, for me, that... Uh, for me, it feels like there's three pretty clear starters in a back four, and then it'll boil down to the competition between McQueen and Haffenden for that fourth spot. And Haffenden has had a pretty uh, eventful off-season as well. I think she went over to, I want to say, Denmark and uh, and got some experience with a club over there. It might have been Sweden. I've lost track of where all the players have gone. Somewhere in Scandinavia. Uh, it, went to Europe. Let's just go with Europe. Uh, but and then come back and played uh, in NPL Victoria as well. I think she's another player that they should have high hopes for, both McQueen and Haffenden. And again, like yes, w- we all are assuming they are going to be going with a back four. But I wouldn't be surprised that if at one or two occasions this season we see them possibly shifting and looking to play a th- uh, three centre back formation as well, maybe to try and get a little bit more, uh, a few more bodies coming up in midfield. Well, that's, the, that's the beauty of the uh, players they've selected. Is that they, that uh, if need be, Gareth McPherson has that option. So, so yeah, look, uh, I, I think that's uh, that's only a good thing. Speaking of that... We're not mid- expecting any Larissa Crummer at right-back stuff like we saw in the Matildas game this week, are we? We're not expecting that. Oh, God, hope not. Surely not. I, I really hope not. Um, some of the other... Now, we'll move on to the uh, midfield group now. So, we've got Ish Nori, Holly Palmer, and... Uh, Katrina Gorry uh, coming back. We've also got newcomers Kaya Stevenson uh, from Brisbane City in the FQPL competition, as well as uh, French midfielder Margot Robin, which uh, autocorrect in my computer may have corrected to Margot Robbie a few times. <laughs> That's not the t- first time that joke's been done. Oh, no, and I'm sure it will not be the last either, but um, Robin is the player I want to start off talking about as well, where like just looking at the sort of profile of the player that they've brought in, it seems like she's going to very much be that attacking linchpin that will probably be like pulling the strings uh, from that central role and maybe relying a little bit more on Gori and Nori as uh, screening options, Adam. Yeah, look, I think this is a very, very good signing by the Raw. And I was very, very happy to hear when the Raw announced that Margot Rabin was... Um, was was picked up by the Raw. You know, she's had experience obviously at Canberra and you know, more importantly Melbourne City, and she's a player of you know, great experience as well. And, you know, I think she debuted in the in the French top division women's league um, at age 15. So she she's vastly experienced, played for the top clubs in um, in the A League women's or W League back in the day. So look, I think yeah, if if, if we can see her at her best. I think, I think that's going to be, you know, fantastic. I think also as well, that allows, as you said, uh, Ish Nori and, Katri- and Katri- Katrina Gori to play just a little bit deeper. And as we're seeing with, um, you know, with uh, with Katrina in the Matilda setup at the moment, she seems to be absolutely thriving in that more central midfield, defensive midfield role for the Matildas at the moment. So let's just, if she can bring that form to the Raw... I think it's going to it's going to be a recipe for absolute you know yeah you know, going to be great things for the raw to come. And look, as we all know, with uh, Gary's prowess in the midfield, even if she's sitting a little bit deeper, she's still a goal scoring threat from uh, mm. anywhere from about fifty yards in. 
It just allows both Aisha Nori and Katrina Gori to play the roles that they are best and well-equipped suited to, as we've seen in years gone by. Nori, we know, is very, very much best in that screening, deep-line midfield role. Katrina Gori, as Adam mentioned, better off a little bit deeper as well. And Margot Rubin is probably a player of the role didn't have a player like that in the squad last year, James. There's not really anybody who really filled that attacking central midfield type of role in the in the squad when you look at it. So it had to be Katrina Gori almost by default. She had to play that way because the the, the way the rest of the midfield was, was constructed. So this year, it's more of a case of they've managed to find a, a combination of three that will allow the Trina Gori to play her absolute best football, which is a great thing for the Brisbane Roar and a great thing for the Matildas who's going to get that going into a World Cup. And don't overlook Holly Palmer as well, James. She will get plenty of playing time in that midfield area over the course of the season as a player who can probably fill in all three of those roles quite well. And that, and that again, is a sort of advantage I feel like you've got this year compared to last, where, okay, 21-22, you felt like you've got competition for places. This time I feel like you've got a set, like, preferred option. And behind that, a group of players that will keep them not honest, but motivated to try and fight for their role in the team. And like that, that to me is kind of the way that I feel like that side is going to be set up. And Kaya Stevenson as well. There's a lot of like, there's a lot of room uh, for progression there. You know, maybe she'll uh, see some time closing out games as well, or possibly being thrown on as another attacking weapon when the Aurora chasing. Not that we want them to be chasing in too many games, but again, there's just there are options this time around, which I think is. It's got me feeling a little bit uh, more confident about it compared to last year as well. That's that's my overarching opinion of that uh, midfield. As my dog is about to absolutely lose her time. Did you see Kaya play through the middle, James? Or was more of a winger? We saw her more play through on the in the wide areas for Brisbane City this year in the FQPL. I think she might play more central. I think I think she's going to be able to play anywhere in that sort of like those three attacking roles in behind the lead striker. So she can sort of fill in in that number ten role uh, or fill in out wide as well because you look at some of those players that they've got in the forwards group and they're all players that can play out wide as my dog uh, loses her tiny little mind as um but yeah overall it's it's that versatility as well where that will probably wind up earning uh stevenson a slot on the bench where she can come in and fill in in two three even four different roles personally i i actually don't want to see her um Sort of in the in the in the squad for at least you know until we get into the sort of the final rounds of the season. Like, fantastic prospect. Right? There's no doubt about that. You know, but like I said, I, I think just we need to be patient with her. I think you know, give her time. She she will develop into a an A League women's uh, plus player. But I think hopefully that you know if she's getting you know meaningful minutes, it means that there might be a couple of injuries or a couple of you know you know, sort of poor performances there. So let's just hope for our sake that she, we don't see her for a while yet. But she's a fantastic prospect. Uh, I, I think she's only in the squad as like a bench option pro- or break glass in case of emergency. Anyway, let's move on to the attackers. And this feels like the strongest position group uh, in the entire squad for me. Uh, options uh, all over the place. You've got Larissa Kramer, uh, Mariel Hecker, and Shay Connors back from last season as well. There for me your main starting three. They've also brought in Georgia Beaumont, who is uh, a well-known figure in NPL Queensland. 
and also spent some time with Adelaide last year. I don't think she scored in that 8-2 win for the Reds up at Morton Daly Stadium. And also back after uh, an injury-riddled run is Sean Fryer, who will be looking to make another impact. But let's talk about that front three. We gave her a bit of praise early on, and uh, I want to go back and talk about Mariel Hecker. Again, she's just continuing to grow uh, and up like as a player as well. And the two thing, the two things that really stand out for me from her NPL season, I want to go back to the uh, Kappa Women's Super Cup final at, at uh, Olympic and the NPL Grand Final, and just the way that she was defending, not only pressing from the front, and the way that she also tracked back to try and uh, help out in games that were well and truly won already for Lions. But just the fact that she was still going back, keeping everything going, it just seems like that work rate, which was already pretty damn high, has gone to another level in the last few months. Absolutely. And that front three that you mentioned, they're returning of Hecker, Connors, and also Larissa Crummer. The combination that they were able to form over the last season, they can carry that through this year as well. Maybe that's the sort of progression that Gareth McPherson, when when he says he wants to talk about year one was a teaching year this year's progression. Those three now, having had a full year together that combination can really start to grow. And I think you can expect to see all three of those players become really, really lethal and consistent attacking players in that front third. But the depth behind them is very much NPL, NPL Queensland proven talent, isn't it, uh, James, with um, Sean Fryer and Georgia Beaumont in particular being two. And I think we should, it's probably best to throw to the Mayor of Moreton Bay to talk about the two Moreton Bay United players who've been included in the squad this year, Adam. Yeah, look, um, I, I think uh, definitely that uh, look, Sean Fryer, she had a wretched year with her injury. She's she's just she's just recovering. Uh, George Beaumont, obviously as well. That you know she she's still developing as a player. Uh, but she didn't have the greatest seasons at um, in the MPL this season. But I think that was more starved of opportunity, more more so than than anything else. But uh, look, she's she's going to be handy. Yeah, as as a backup as well, but I, I think the Raw's attack and perhaps success, I think it lives and dies with that that front three of Shay Connors, uh, Larissa Crummer, and Mariel Hecker. They fire raw fire. Yeah, and also as well, like Larissa Crummer was, look, she she came in for a bit of criticism at the start of last season, but like a lot of the players, she did start to really find her footing again. And I suppose you've also got to remember just how bad of an injury run she was coming back from as well and just the way that she's managed to rebuild her confidence wasn't a great season at Palabar all around but I do think that is now like they've got a front three that they can trust as well and Connors NPL New South Wales Golden Boot um, maybe player of the season I feel like I should have double checked that before I just started talking about it just I think just Golden Boot but okay well either either way fantastic year either way yes exactly and it is a group that I'm pretty sure we're going to see uh, quite a lot from this season. And as you said, Adam, it does feel like if this group can get the raw, you know, three or four goals every other week, they'll be in most games and in with a chance as well. I, I think the hope is the defense will sort itself out, but early season, you might be looking for some big contributions from these attackers as well. Just to say about Larissa Cromer, obviously she's so, there's something that that, that they've seen in, um, in Matilda's camp. Obviously that she is is doing enough because uh, like she's been picked now for two 
for two squads in the October window and, and the recent uh, squad that just played against Sweden and Thailand. So she's obviously showing something that um, that, that obviously is, is, is you know, keeping her in the Matilda squad. So the fact that she's in the Matilda squad and is getting you know, regular minutes as a, as a bench player, if that, if that can translate to her uh, women's form, I think it, you know, it's, it's going to be a good thing for the Raw. It, it can only be a good thing if she starts um, building on what we've seen already as well. And and also, again, I, I'm, I'm not saying that the two are the same player, but you look at the way that Charlie Austin uh, has been trying to integrate himself into the uh, men's team as well, where he's coming out and saying, you know, I don't care if I'm scoring goals or setting them up. I think Kramer at least can have the confidence of maybe being that link-up option um, if she's not necessarily burying every chance. Being that link-up option, feeding in uh, Kramer, uh, not Kramer, uh, Connors, Hecker, etc. That's still a pretty valuable role for this team. And I, th- I think they will all say, look, I don't care who scores. We just need to put the ball in the back of the net or at the very least over the goal line. Well, that would be nice that we were able to do that. I think, I think actually Shea Connors and um, Larissa Cromwell had roughly the same number of goals each last year as well. So I think it won't necessarily be one player scoring 15-plus goals for the Raw. I think it'll be two or three, hopefully maybe even four players who chip in with that eight, nine, ten goals each that propels them into, back into the finals race. That it might. All right, so I'm going to go through a quick exercise here as we'll try and keep this uh, moving as well. I've gone and picked the Raws, uh, what I think is going to be their primary 11 this year, assuming health and everything else cooperates. So, uh, have you guys got that as well, or do you just want to run through mine? I can come up with something. Yeah, something. Okay, well, how about you guys, just let me know if you make any changes to this. I've got Handcuff as the goalkeeper, central defensive pairing of McQueen and Lind, Rankin and Kramer as the fullbacks, midfield trio of Gori, Norrie, Rabin, and front three of Hecker, Kramer, Connors. The only change I would have is probably happened and starts over McQueen. That's probably the only, only change. But that, like I said, that's for that's for game one. Uh, later in the season, who knows? I got the same. I had the same eleven that you listed, James. That's, yeah. The centre backs are coin toss, but that's mm. the way I go. The only other thing is maybe for this weekend is Katrina Gorey recovering from Matildas. Maybe she might not be ready to start. That's a, something you'll have to wait and see later in the week. But in terms of best eleven. That's what I have. If, as well. if that's the case, Holly Palmer coming in for Katrina Gorey is certainly you no. Know, it, it's not. It's not the biggest downgrade either. So I think I still think there's, there's stability as well. So yeah, look, it, it's a it's a very like so. I think the Raw top eleven I think matches up with pretty much any squad any squad in the lead. It it's it's just a case of if there are injuries or suspension or you know, depth. That's where you know this squad will be tested. That's I think that's the big. Um, the big sort of downside with the Raw is that, you know, outside that top 11, uh, yeah, then it starts to slide away in terms of experience. All right. Um, now, Scott, you had a chance to uh, catch up with Raw coach Gareth McPherson before uh, the season kicked off. So let's go to that interview now and hear what he had to say. Okay, we're joining the season for everybody. Coach of the Brisbane Raw, Gareth McPherson. Gareth, thanks for talking to us once again. You're most welcome. Um, looking ahead to the season now, starting this weekend, looking forward to getting underway? Yeah, we're excited. We're definitely, uh, I think the four and a half week, uh, five week pre-season is, is still maybe a, a body of work for, 
for the league to make sure that all the women's teams have a nice chunk of time leading in. So whilst it's been uh, short and sweet, we we feel confident that we've kind of ticked off all of the, the key elements of the pre-season that we set out, um, or when we set out, that we identified we needed to, to get through. You mentioned the offseason. Everything's gone according to the plan that you drew up there in terms of the way the side's gelling together? Uh, yeah. No, it, it's been nice to see the players last year who we may have missed out on uh, through some injuries in that WNPL season. Holly Palmer, Sean Fryer um, and, and Kai Stevenson are probably three who who, uh, who were back in with the team and have, have had the full pre-season with them. It's been great to see our two uh, last arrivals in, in Kaiser Lind uh, from Sweden and Hensley Hancock from uh, United States joined the team late last week and we got them on the field uh, for some some game time on Saturday, which was great for them. So we've kind of kept building. We've had players coming in as the pre-seasons move forward. Um, and this is, a, again, another really important training week for us this week with everybody back on deck, except for, obviously, those with the national teams. Absolutely. We'll hopefully get those players back from the national teams sooner rather than later. But you mentioned some of the younger players you've brought in from the MPL Queensland, continuing that Queensland first plan that, that you kind of yep. started off last year, how important is that to, to really grow this club going forward? I think it's, uh, I think it's a, a very important role for the club to play in the football landscape, being a one-club town uh, here for the, for the women. So we, we only have a, you know, a very limited amount of opportunity to provide our best young female football talent uh, opportunities to play in a national league where not like New South Wales where there's three or four clubs or Victoria where there's three or four clubs so uh, in terms of like the, the bigger picture and, and producing Matildas which Queensland has such a proud history of doing um, that Queensland first approach and, and keeping contracts set aside for our best and brightest young players is is important to keep moving that forward and, and, and you know we're not using them for players for interstate or from overseas so It'll be good to, it's been good to see them in. Georgia Beaumont joined us. Uh, obviously, the, the, the majority of our roster uh, is is coming out of our, our local competition. Absolutely. One player who joins from, not from the local competition, what did in 2021 is um, Holly McQueen. She missed all last year due to an ACL injury. How close is she to being a part of the um, squad at the weekend? And is she ready to get back into playing games? Oh, she's ready. Yeah, no, she's ready. She's been out there already. Um, it was it was a real cruel blow uh, for her last year. She had had a, re- a really positive um, MPL season, had a, a really uh, positive time in the Future Matildas program here. And uh, to have her ruled out at such a late, I think she'd already accepted a contract, to be honest, when, um, when the injury happened. So she has been, I've seen a few players go through long-term recoveries. Uh, I don't think I've seen anybody do it with the same dedication and, and passion to which Holly has. So from day one uh, of the injury, she's just been so refocused and she knew that this was then, you know, she had to obviously reset her goals, her life goals, her football goals, and that this was going to be her season. And she's definitely lived up to that. And she's reaping the rewards of probably all of the heartache and, and, and the tough times in the last 
you know, 10, 11 months, um, all the gym work, all of the isolated running stuff that she's had to do. And she's looked, she looked really good, actually. She's played each of our preseason games, played parts in them, and is looking as confident as ever. Uh, fantastic. Hopefully we see her on the field sooner rather than later. You do have two current Matildas in your squad, Larissa Kramer and Katrina Gorey. How important is their experience going to be over the course of the season? They showed last year what, what the two of them can do when, they, when they're on the same page. So uh, their, their experience is pretty invaluable. Um, it's, I think it, the most, uh, most important thing, uh, besides obviously the, the quality they bring as footballers, is the sorts of people that they are in and around the team. So lots of people can, I think, have experience, but maybe not lend that or, or, or help others with that experience. But um, we've seen with both of them last year that they're just really good role models uh, for the younger players that we have and sharing their knowledge and they, they lead both by example, but also um, almost off the pitch as well. So it's been... Great to be able to re-sign them both. I must admit, after the season both of them had last year here, um, I, I, know, I wasn't sure really where their football trajectory was going to take them, whether it was overseas permanently or whether they would stay as, as Brisbaneites. And both of them, through different reasons, um, are, are still Brisbaneites. I think many had, a, had the hiatus overseas in Sweden, but she's back raring to go. And Larissa's almost finished her plumbing apprenticeship. And I think once that apprenticeship's finished, perhaps her trajectory might change as well. But we definitely get another season out of both of them, which is great for, for me, great for the, the fans, great for the club, because they're, they're exciting. People pay money to watch them play football. Absolutely. A couple of other exciting things you've added in the Austin. Hensley Handcuff, Talitha the Kramer, Margot Rabin and Kasia Lind. What can you tell us about those players and what do you think they can add to the squad? Each of them brings something a little bit different. And we, we obviously, with that Queensland first approach, had to think long and hard about really what our key areas were for a team to target and, and what we didn't feel necessarily that we had right here, right now, to um, to cover with, with using these visa spots. So uh, Margot is, is the first one kind of signed out of, out of that group. Margot brings, obviously, experience. She's played at Melbourne City. She's played at Canberra. Uh, she's played overseas. So something that we, we knew that we were lacking last year was that experience uh, with so many new contracts and young players. So having Margot, which she is a top-class midfielder, uh, she, she she's hilarious, actually. Um, <laughs> she's a very dry sense of humour, but uh, she surprised me with with her humour. Uh, she's fit right into the team well and she brings experience and is happy to lend that experience to some of the, the younger players in the squad. Um, Kaiser, I, I, for those that have seen Kaiser play overseas in, in the Swedish League, I think it just reminds me of a Claire Polkinghorne. She has come in the last kind of week and you can see that she's been playing in one of the best women's leagues in the world for a number of years. Uh, she's a leader. She talks on the field, which again was what we were chasing. We wanted a, a ball-winning centre back that had a bit of height and was happy to lead our line uh, and communicate to those around her. And she has she's done exactly that. She went to the beach yesterday and um, got herself sunburnt, so <laughs> it was good. 
and I must admit, she's come out of wherever she was over in, in Sweden. I think it was four degrees when she left and she stepped out. So she's had the ice towels and the ice vests um, on, on hand to, to help her acclimatise. Uh, and Hensley, Hensley is, I, when she walked in to do her medical tests, and I can't remember shaking her hand and like looking up at her, going, wow, you are, I, I, I saw 6'2 slash 6'3, I don't, you know, I, she looks a little bit taller than that, but um, she comes comes off a season working with Brody over at Gotham, uh, who um, I value um, very much as, as a goalkeeper coach, and I extremely highly recommended. She's a future uh, NWSL starter, um, you know, a, a, a US national team um, potential as well down the track. So to get her at 23 um, is, again, is something that we looked at last year. We wanted height on our set pieces. We wanted dominance in the 18-yard box. And Hensley brings brings everything we were, we were after. Great to hear all those players are getting into the Queensland spirit early on with the getting used to the, the heat and yes. humidity out here. <laughs> Down at Broadbeach, I think. And I remember Hensley, a funny story, Hensley's come in this morning saying that her back was sore from the waves at Broadbeach yesterday. And only about 10 minutes earlier, Shay Connors had told me how calm the beach was. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe the waves are a bit different here to what they get in the U.S., all about perspective, I guess. In terms of the league as a whole, Gareth, it's a big year for the league with the Women's World Cup at the end of the season. Have you got a, a, a view on how you think the league's going to play out this year in terms of teams that might be good and all and all those those type of things? I think every game is going to mean, as it does in this competition, but every game uh, is going to mean so much for the Australian-based players. Actually, saying that, even the internationals with that World Cup so close... Uh, we know that our national team staff are going to be here. Uh, they're going to be watching these games. They're going to be in the stands. Uh, so it's an opportunity for for any Australian professional football to think if I can have a good season and a good you know, 18, 19 games, what's stopping me uh, being there in June or July? So it's been nice to see uh, some other um, senior, more experienced national team players returning to the competition as well. Um, I think that's the other advantage, being on home soil and being here in the heat, that there are some players that are choosing to come back. Callan Knight and um, the kind of rest of them that we've seen signing recently. Uh, we might see a few more. Um, so I, I think that's definitely going to obviously add, add to add to the season. Uh, and I really also am looking forward to the longer season. The last year with, with the limited game time, it's you know it's it's a sprint, and from minute one uh, that plays into the minds of, of a team and a club because you can't afford uh, a slow start and you might be pushing players a bit harder than um, you know what, what what you'd really like to be or, or, or making calls to play players for more minutes um, when there are others who uh, you want to be giving game time to. So having those longer games is hopefully going to give more players exposure because coaches are going to feel more comfortable that it's not so much of a sprint anymore. You kind of move from a sprint to a medium, you know, not a marathon just yet, but it's a little bit more to play with in terms of match minutes. Absolutely. Just finally, Gareth, you start off at home against Newcastle on, on the weekend. You played the Jets twice at the back end of last season, picked up a couple of wins. How important is it to continue that and get another winning over them to start this season? 
yeah, um, it, it's important for us to continue the work we've done in pre-season in round one. Um, we're confident that we've prepared well and we can continue uh, the, the hard work done throughout last year, which I think we all saw started to pay pay dividends um, in, in that back half of the season. So uh, it'll be wonderful to be at home, uh, not away in Perth round one, which is what the you know, the car we drew last year. Uh, but nice two o'clock Perry Park with hopefully there's really no reason for fans not to get along anymore because it's in the city. It's at a pretty good time. If you've got a young family, there's no reason why you can't bring them as well. Uh, I think I saw the other day that with a Paramount subscription or whatever it might have been, you can get in, kids get in for free. So lots of reasons for the community to come along and, and support the team and celebrate the league being back on Saturday. Absolutely hoping for a big crowd down there at Perry Park on Saturday afternoon. Garrett, thanks for your time this afternoon and best of luck for the season ahead. Thank you. I look forward to chatting with you more often. And a big thanks to Gareth for giving up his time to uh, chat to you, Scott. And overall, he sounded pretty upbeat about their chances, didn't he? Absolutely. He's very upbeat, with, particularly with the visa players you heard there, casually and Hensley Handcuff coming in. Those players, he, they certainly look like they're going to make a massive impact. And as long as he can keep the sunburn-related injuries to a minimum, as you heard there, <laughs> things should be on the up for the Brisbane Roar this year. Well, hopefully they didn't spend too much time in the sun over the last few days because it has been stinking hot and it will probably be stinking hot at 2 o'clock Saturday at Parc de Paris when the Raw begin their campaign against the Newcastle Jets. They will be facing a couple of familiar faces in Cannon Clough and Georgie Worth uh, where I'm sure uh, Clough will be enjoying the uh, potential prospect of marking up with uh, one of her best friends, Shay Connors. That will be an interesting battle, that one. Yeah. Hopefully that is the side of the pitch they both line up on. That will be really fun if that is the case. Yeah, and I'm sure that, well, if it were me marking up against uh, one of my good friends, I would be doing all sorts of tricks like trying to tie their boots together or give them a wedgie or something when the refs aren't looking. But again, I'm sure that's... the pre-match sledging has already begun. Oh, without a doubt. All right. And, um, and also, um, Georgie Worth as well. I don't know if she starts... Uh, I, 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 like I said, I don't know too much what's going on in. Uh, I think Claire Quayle is still that, there. That's what I was about. I was also leading to, but uh, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure Georgie Worth as well. You know, don't take long to take, take on her former side either. All right. Well, look, there's a, a big season coming up. I think we need to get into our predictions for the upcoming campaign because, well, there is quite a lot to get to, and we are trying to keep this relatively timely as well. So. Let's start off with our ladder predictions. Scott, you've yep. done the most research out of the three of us. You go first. I think it's uh, calling what I've done is re- research is um, probably not the right word, but I'll go anyway. Um, 11th, I have Western United. I'm just not sure how they're going to go year one. 10th, Wellington. 9th, Western Sydney. 8th, Newcastle. 7th, Perth Glory. 6th, Canberra United. 5th, sorry, this is a bit of a surprise, Sydney FC. I'm not convinced they've got the squad this year to continue their long top four run, and maybe it's a bit of selfishness hoping that that run does come to an end. But I've got Sydney missing the finals in fifth. Fourth, Brisbane Raw. Third, Melbourne City. Second, Adelaide United. And number one, Melbourne Victory. Don't bet against Jeff Hopkins. Okay, so you know how you were saying, like, you weren't sure we should follow you? Mine are scarily close to that. Adam, what have you got? Yeah, I, I'm up to version six <laughs> since we started recording. So, but <laughs> so I'm glad we're actually at it because this is probably as close as I'm gonna get. Eleventh spot, Perth Glory. 
I think um, yeah, they've had a few outs, and I'm just not sure whether they... Um, yeah, obviously the travel is always an interesting issue with them as well. So we'll see how it go, but I think they'll finish bottom. Uh, tenth, Wellington Phoenix. Yeah, a little bit of improvement, but uh, yeah, they, they're still on a rebuild. Uh, ninth, Canberra. I think Canberra sort of... Uh, so I think they, they again, I think, you know, they've had a few good years. I think it's probably rebuilding time for them. Uh, eighth, Western Sydney. Seventh, Western United. I think Chloe Legazzo is going to have a big impact uh, with with, uh, with that side. Uh, in sixth, Newcastle. Fifth, I've got Melbourne City. I just think that their squad is... Um, it, it, it does... It, there are sort of, you know, some interesting sort of... Um, especially if they have a few injuries and whatnot, I think they may just miss out. Uh, in fourth, uh, Sydney's FC. And third, uh, Brisbane Raw. Second, Melbourne Victory. And I think Adelaide uh, winning it all. I think they have got an excellent squad this year. They, they, they were looming last year, and I think they're going to go a couple better this year. And I think they're going to finish on top. But, all right. but just I want yeah. to say... That, that race, I think that race, the final, the final four, I think that five into four is going to come down right to, lot, to round 20. Fair enough. All right, I'm going to go for mine, and um, I feel like I may get in trouble for some of these. Uh, 11th, I've got Western United, just a massive unknown in their first season, and I feel like they're going to, just going to take a little bit of time to gel. 10th, Wellington. Uh, I think they'll have a couple of good games at home, but the rest of it might take a little bit of an adjustment period. 9th, Canberra. 8th, Newcastle. 7th, Western Sydney Wanderers. 6th, Brisbane Raw. I, I, I may get uh, banned from games um, after this Saturday for about a month, but uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, how convenient for you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, it's a miracle, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I just... I, it's more a case of just having good faith in the other side. 5th, Perth Glory. Uh, 4th, Sydney FC, 3rd, Melbourne Victory, 2nd, Adelaide, and 1st, Melbourne City, because, well, let's be honest, you look at those teams, and uh, it's pretty hard to see anyone topping that top three in my mind. Now, time for the Julie Dolan medal, and I'm going to try and redeem myself a little bit by saying Katrina Gorry. I think she's going to be the best player in the competition this year. Um, plenty of experience overseas, and even though I don't have the Raw making the finals, I think Gorry's impact on both the Raw and the league is going to see her take out the game's highest honour. Scott, who are you taking? I'll go with a fellow Matilda one who's been in and out of the squad, but a big year here will guarantee her absolute appearance at the World Cup, Alex Chidiak. Adam? I'm going with uh, Dylan Holmes. I think uh, the, the Adelaide captain, I think, will lead uh, that, that high-powered... Uh, that high-powered attack to the Premiership, I think that she'll be duly awarded with the Julie Dolan medal. And the Golden Boot, Adam, straight back to you. Uh, Fiona Watts for me. Scott? I stick clear of the Adelaide players because I think they're going to take goals off each other. There's three or four really good players there, so I went for Catherine Zimmerman from Melbourne Victory. And I've gone Wurtz as well from Adelaide. Now, uh, the Raw Awards. Naturally, if I'm picking uh, Katrina Gorey for the Julie Dolan medal, backing her to be the Raw player of the year as the coffee just uh, kicks up the indigestion and uh, my raw golden boot is also Shay Connors I think she's going to pip Crummer in the final game Scott your duo I can't argue that's exactly what I had I had Katrina Gorey as the raw's player of the year and I had Shay Connors as the raw golden boot winner 
damn right you can't argue with me. That's why I'm the host. Adam? Free sp- only in the, only midweek. Weekends, I will argue with you. <laughs> For, uh, free spins all round, because I think uh, Gory Player of the Year and uh, and uh, Shay Connor's Golden Boot for the Raw. Well, I'm sure if they're listening to this, they're also just cursing us, going, thanks, why did you put, why did you put the curse of the podcast on us? <laughs> but either way, there is so a lot... So Mariel Hecker's going to want to have a word with all three of us after we overlooked her for both awards. Oh, she, uh, she's uh, she's second in both. Uh, she's uh, going to forgive me, I think, because I did tip Brazil to win the World Cup. Oh, at least I hope that. <laughs> at least I hope that's enough to earn some forgiveness. All right. Well, there's a whole uh, lot of action coming up this season in the A League Women. There's a lot to look forward to, both in Brisbane and nationwide, and actually internationally, because Wellington. While I joke, New Zealand is another state of Australia. It is technically international players will need their passports for that and you can catch every match of the liberty a-league women live on 10 play as well as the new goal rush style feature which i think is being uh shown on saturday at 2 p.m queensland time um so yeah it's there it's free get out to the games if you can as well the raw call will be doing an excellent job creating the atmosphere at the raw home games as well check out their accounts as well but in the meantime that's going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Thank you, Scott. Good to talk to you again, James. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, and good night. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We will hopefully see you out at Parc de Paris this Saturday and at several more raw home games as the season goes along. And we'll be back to recap it all. I think we may have a special World Cup preview coming up with the Queensland Socceroos fans as well. There's a whole lot of football coming up. Uh, I'm just going to go set up an IV laced with black coffee because we're going to need it to get through the next month at the very least. This has been the Brisbane Football Review. Enjoy the football. We'll talk to you later.